Salesman and Beauty Podcast starts right now. And what is going on, everybody? Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick. This is indeed the Asman and Budick Show. We thank you for joining us on another exciting episode. Lots to get to. Big moves all around the NFL. Mega trade last night with the Eagles and the Bills being involved. Rex Ryan's up to his uh, usual bag of tricks. Today, the Bills, they signed a quarterback in Matt Castle. So we'll touch on all of that. And, of course, baseball is underway. Well, the spring training kind, of course. A-Rod made his debut with the Yankees today. He went one for two with a walk. So we'll touch on his start to spring training. We'll go around the league a little bit, talk about some of the storylines. And then, of course, Dan, you being the big Met fan, the Mets also underway and their star second baseman made some uh, very questionable comments. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. Yeah, and, you know, starting off with Rashawn McCoy. Very surprised the Eagles made the move. Uh, I did not think they would be willing to part with Rashawn McCoy. But as we've seen Chip Kelly do last year with Deshaun Jackson, he's willing to part with his his star players at, at elite positions. So, you know, a very interesting move. They do get a good player, a very good player, in Kiko Alonso back. And Rex Ryan, you know, putting a, a running game between Fred Jackson and Lashawn McCoy pretty dominant going into next season. No question about that. And the biggest thing that this move does for the Bills is it allows them to be able to score points without having to rely on a top-tier quarterback. And, you know, under Rex Ryan, what does he like to do? We've seen it. Run the football. Try and limit the quarterback from dropping back and making mistakes. Didn't work out too well with Geno Smith. And by the end of Mark Sanchez's tenure, the team had been stripped so far down. The Jets really would never had that dominant running game. They had the first two seasons under Mark Sanchez. But you look at this team going forward. And if you're the Bills, you have Fred Jackson up there. Now you add in Deshaun Jackson. You're clearly going to be able to run the football. You don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for you. They traded for Matt Castle today from the Vikings. So we don't know where he's going to be at, both offensively, of course, and defensively. You know the Bills should be good defensively. But what can they get offensively? It obviously starts with Deshaun McCoy. And you would think going forward that their running game will be significantly improved with a McCoy and Fred Jackson tandem. And for all those people that think necessarily E.J. Manuel is going to be the starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills next year, I, you can't make that uh, assumption and go out and get Matt Castle today. I mean, I think he's an upgrade over E.J. Manuel. E.J. Manuel was awful last year. Really didn't even get much of a shot to compete for the job, to really get his job back after he lost it to Kyle Orton. The team went 9-7. and seven. Kyle Orton retired. So we'll see what Matt Castle has to offer. But I, I think it's a good move, the, the McCoy move. I think it's a great move for the Buffalo Bills. I think they... They had to pat in their running game. They had to have a good running game in place if they want to try to score the football without having a, a top-tier level quarterback, which is what they're most likely going to have. You mentioned it, Jake. Rex Ryan loves to run the football. He's ground and pound. Last couple of years with the Jets, they kind of got away from that a little bit just because they didn't really have the personnel to do it. Well, this Buffalo Bills team has the personnel to run the football, and they're going to have to score points on the ground because it, it's going to be tough to score points in the air when you don't have a guy consistently throwing the football. Matt Castle, who knows what it's going to be, who knows what happens after draft time, but I think they're prepared to to go into the season with E.J. Manuel, not their starting quarterback. Rex made a splash, and, you know, obviously, what's funny about the Bills is people think that any move they make, it's Rex doing this. They have a management team in place as well. Of course, yes. When you're dealing with such a polarizing figure in Rex Ryan, every move that, that his team makes, you assume that he has a lot to do with it. But here's the thing. For the Bills, they improve. I think they win this trade. Kiko Alonso is a very good player, but they had the third-best defense in the league, and Alonso didn't even, even play a game for them last season with the torn ACL. So you know what? They're still always going to have a good defense under Rex. So I, the Bills, I clearly see why they did it. They think they're getting a great player. And over the past two seasons, LaShawn McCoy has ran for almost 3,000 yards. He had 14 touchdowns. 
in those past two years. He's only 27 years old. Running backs start to deteriorate, but the Bills are in win-now mode. They're trying to go to the playoffs. They went 9-7. and seven. Obviously, they're going to try and play great defense and run the ball, but I still have so many question marks about who's playing quarterback for them. And Matt Castle, he's an upgrade over EJ Manuel, yes, but I still don't know if their quarterback on opening day is on the roster right now. Well, he very well might not be, but I think – you know, when you talk about LaShawn McCoy getting traded, I think it's, it's uh, the reason why it's, I think it's such an interesting trade is because it's not like this guy's 31, 32, 33 years old, and we're talking about the end of his career. He's 26, 27. He's in the prime of his career. He still has a lot of yards to run, a lot of touchdowns to score. I think it's a great move for the Bills, and in a very, very uh, tough division that's dominated by the New England Patriots, it it takes a move like this to, to make some noise when you're the Buffalo Bills who haven't made the playoffs since 1999. Yeah, they're making a splash, and they're trying to trying to go for it. I don't know if it's really going to work. I think it depends on what they get out of the quarterback position, obviously, but clearly Rex knows well, how to win. Defense. Rex knows how to win with defense, and he knows how to win when you run the football. And, you know, the Bills last season, to their credit, went 9-7. and seven. You could say their last win was a bit of a fluke because the Patriots didn't play anyone in the second half, and that's fair. But they won at least eight true football games, and you know what? Trying to make some moves. They clearly improved with this move. I don't know how, you know, how many wins that were equate to, whether or not. I think it depends, obviously, once again, on the play of the quarterback position. But for the Bills, you understand why they made this move. For the Eagles, it's a bit of a question mark. It's a bit of a gamble here. You're trading away your best player on offense. And obviously, you got rid of Deshaun Jackson. You elected to not re-sign him last offseason. Now you're losing McCoy. Clearly, it's Chip Kelly's team. He has control over player personnel, and he's he's making it very clear he's going to do things his way. He values his offensive system over offensive star players. And I think there's been a lot of issues over the last couple of years over just, uh, you know, you hear it coming out in the last 24 hours just about carries and, and how much to, uh, how many how many carries LaShawn McCoy was getting and, and touches and things like that. And, you know, and as Chip Kelly, have we seen with Chip Kelly? He's not going to tolerate that. You know, he, he values his system. You made a great point, Jake. He believes in this system. He knows it can win. And – that makes me feel, and just by trading LaShawn McCoy, I just have a very strong feeling that come draft night, they're going to make a very, very, very strong push to try to get Marcus Mariota into an Eagles uniform. And that's the, that's the thing. Where do they go from here? Do they try and mortgage a couple picks, Nick Foles? Because if you remember, LaShawn McCoy was in those trade talks, in those rumors. Yeah, that's right. And, and you got rid of him, and you're bringing Alonzo. Obviously, Alonzo's not going anywhere. This is an Eagles defense. That has really struggled the past couple seasons. That's they, why Alonzo was a great. It was a great it, move it's to a bring good, him in. It's a good move, and now it cleared eleven point nine five million dollars in cap space. So if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you now have fifty million in cap space to use in free agency. And you know what, Chip Kelly, we don't know if he's here for the long haul or not because he could just leave and go back to college and easily get a job somewhere. The thing is. What do you do at the quarterback position if you're the Eagles? Do you bring back a Mark Sanchez? Do you go into the season with Nick Foles? Or, as what a lot of people are saying, is Chip Kelly going to go all in and try and trade up? Maybe, we talked about this on the show before, with the New York Jets, try and trade up at, to that number six spot and take a Marcus Mariota from Oregon. Well, I, f- I have a very tough time believing, and it's impossible for this to happen. I don't think Mark Sanchez, I don't think Mark Sanchez will be back. I think Mark had a, uh, some success last year with the Eagles. I don't think they're going to bring him back He's going to get nice money on the free agent market. I don't think they're going to pay him that kind of money just to be a a regular backup. I think Nick Foles, he's going to have to be in the trade talks. He's going to have to be traded. I think if you're dealing with the Jets to to pick up that that sixth overall pick and bring Marcus Mariota to Philadelphia, he's got to be in that type of trade. I have a very difficult time believing that Nick Foles is on the roster with Marcus Mariota. I don't think they're both going to be on the roster. I think either Foles is there or Mariota is there. I don't see them bringing back Mark Sanchez either. I think Sanchez had 
you know, some success he had, he last had a year. Chance to, he had a chance, but he didn't play well enough, he I did, think, he to did, go into the, I, the He didn't play well enough, and I think he's going to get money from a team maybe like Washington or a team, you know, not I would say of said Cleveland, but they went out and picked up Josh McCown. Which we'll get to, but that was a horrendous, a horrendous move. So I, I three-year deal. Uh, yeah, three-year deal, fourteen million. I thought maybe Cleveland would be in 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 the pursuit of Mark Sanchez. Clearly, that won't be the case. Uh, Washington, an option for Mark. There's a few other teams. Remember, St. Louis too is a good falling point for Mark Sanchez. They're a team that really has been a quarterback away from having success and. Maybe they're sold on Mark Sanchez to, to sign him to a multi-year deal. I don't see him back with Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia much rather hold on to Nick Foles or go ahead and pursue getting that sixth or fifth pick and selecting Marcus Mariota. And we've talked about this before. It's going to take a lot to move oh, it's up gonna take a lot. to Mariota because I, I personally think, and we made this point on the show before, I think we even did it last week, if he's there at six and the Jets are on the clock, I think the Jets would take him. I think you'd have to wow the Jets away from not taking Marcus Mariota. I truly believe that. You know, the bottom line is this is a Jets team that needs a quarterback. So if you're going to try and move up to six, you're going to have to give them a lot to persuade them. I don't see a trade at five happening because I don't see the Redskins and the Eagles, two division teams, making that type of move that could really affect the balance of that division in the future. And then the only other possible scenario is the Eagles moving up to all the way up to number two, and that would cost a fortune to go to where Tennessee is. Even number three and four, I guess, in theory would make sense. But I have to believe that Jacksonville or Oakland is going to want to stay where they are, three and four respectively, and take on Amari Cooper or you know the star defensive tackle from USC. There's plenty of really talented players that are going to go in the top five before the Jets are at number six. The only reason I think Washington might be a suitor, uh, trade partner, I get it's in it's in division, but I think Washington is so desperate for that, picks. They got burned. They got time. burned on RG three, and I think they'd be willing to take a step back if you could get a couple first round picks, uh, and a couple second round picks. You put yourself in good position in the future. So that's the only reason I think that Washington would make a move like that or, or Philadelphia would make a move like that with a, with an in-division team, a team in the same division, obviously being the NFC East. But I think, you know, clearly the best trade partner is the Jets because you could say it like this. If they move up to six, they could trade the Jets' Nick Foles, a couple of first-round picks, maybe a couple second-round picks, and the Jets really kill two birds with one stone because they get a couple first-round picks and they get a, a guy who, who knows, if he's a long-term solution or definitely a short-term solution at quarterback – but again, we've talked about this on the program. If the Jets feel Marcus Mariota's the guy, they're going to pick him no matter what. They're not going to make a trade if they feel he's the guy that could lead them to the promised land and be their franchise quarterback. I think a lot of decisions are to be made by the New York Jets because I think that if they want to deal that sixth overall pick, I think Philadelphia will have the phones uh, the phone lines open. I think they'll be willing to, to, to listen to the Jets' demands because I think they want Marcus Mariota that much, and I think Chip Kelly believes in the system and what Marcus Mariota brings to the table. Well, that's, that's the question. Do the Jets think Marcus Mariota could be a franchise quarterback? If he is, they're going to take him. If there's some doubt, they will be open to it. A lot of question marks, and we still have plenty of time before the NFL draft, which is, believe it or not, on April 30th. Hey. And as we sit here, right, we're right down here in our studio and record this show here at the Roy H. Park School of Communications. It's only March 4th, so plenty of time to go before we get to the NFL draft. At the end of the month in April. There's a lot of time between now and the draft, but these are when these type of the trade discussions start, especially when you're talking about the arguably the best quarterback in the draft, second best quarterback in the draft, and obviously Chip Kelly's ties to Oregon, ties to Marcus Mariota. It would be a match made in heaven, but is Philadelphia capable, and do they want to give up what it's going to take to, to bring him in? No question about that. And, very fi- and final point on the Kiko Alonso trade, a lot of people thought that this might be coming, not necessarily a trade, but there was some tension between McCoy and there was some tension between Chip Kelly. And Chip Kelly has made it very clear 
This is his team. He values his system. And the value of a running back is not what it used to be anymore. That's a good point. Especially in that type of offensive system where you can plug and chug guys in and in, in that scheme, and they should be able to get open and, pe- and catch balls. And what this does now for the Eagles as well, Darren Sproles will be an even bigger factor in their offense going forward. And it's true. And Darren Sproles, what a great pickup and how great he was for the Eagles last year. He will have more of a pre- predominant role in the running game. Like you mentioned, I think I agree with you. I don't think a running back in the NFL right now, in general, is as valuable as it was six years ago. You know, I think six, seven years ago, a running back was much more valuable. I think the NFL clearly right now is a passers league. You need a a really good player behind center, a great player behind center to win. And I think that's just the way the league is. And I think obviously Chip Kelly values Kiko Alonso in that defense more than he values a running back. And it's eleven point nine million dollars on the cap. That if you could take that off your cap hit and not have that hit in your cap. I mean, for most of the teams, most teams in the NFL, you'll be willing to do it. And let's see if they're interested in a C.J. Spiller type of player from the Bills, ironically. Now that he's a free agent, he's a cheaper version of LaShawn McCoy. And once again, the Eagles, $50 million in cap space. So they're going to be big spenders this offseason, as they should be. As they should be. They have some needs to fill. Listen, 10-6, and six, it just they weren't good enough. And they have that hole at quarterback. They have a lot of questions that uh, remain to be seen, remain to be answered, what, what they're going to do at quarterback. I think that's that big X factor for them heading into the start of the season. Let's talk some NFL quick hits now. Andre Johnson was given permission by the Houston Texans to seek a trade, and he he's one of those players. They asked, asked to be released earlier today. Yeah, he, he wanted to be released if, if they couldn't uh, trade him, and with his salary cap, cap hit being you know ten and a half, whatever it is, eleven million dollars, still a very expensive player for you know the type of player that he's still productive, but he's not what he was. So I expect him to get released, and I'm sure there will be some teams interested. A lot of people wondering if the Jets or Giants would be interested. I don't see either team having any real interest in bringing Andre Johnson in. Well, at at that kind of number, no. He'd have to take, obviously, a pay cut to what he's making right now in his contract. Even I, if they cut him and he's a free agent, I, 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 still, I still don't see the, the Jets or the Giants being interested in Johnson. It, 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 I think it depends on the number because I think the Jets have a lot of money to spend and they have a hole at receiver. and. I, Andre Johnson is old, but I still think he could be very productive in you know uh, with the Jets or with the Giants. So I, I'm not necessarily closing the door on it. I'm not I'm not shutting the book on it, but I think it, it would he would have to take a significant pay cut. Well, from the Jet fan perspective, Percy Harvin would have to not be on the team anymore. Well, well that gonna, remains to be seen what so, they're going to do. We, with and they have until March 19th to make a decision on him, which is very smart because if you look at free agency and when it starts, it starts on Monday or excuse me, uh, it starts on March 10th next Tuesday. So. That uh, next Tuesday at four o'clock, I believe, is when the new league year starts, and that's when teams can start signing players. And listen, the Jets have till March nineteenth, so they'll know if they brought in a big time receiver within the first couple of days of free agency whether or not they want to keep Percy Harvin. If they keep him, their sixth round pick turns into a fourth round pick that they gave up to the Vikings to bring, or excuse me, to Seattle to bring him in. And if they decide, you know what, we don't want him, they can cut him, keep their fourth round pick, not give up, they lose the only the sixth round pick and be able to save that salary cap number, which is about $11.5 million. Which is, a, you know, you could do a lot with $11.5 million. I, I, I think they could bring back. I don't know what they're going to do with Percy. I think they could bring him back. It really depends on how Mike McGagan feels. And obviously the Jets' new GM feels and wants to direct this team offensively. Because they do, let's be honest here, if they don't bring back Percy Harvin, they still have a major, they, they have even bigger of a hole at receiver. They're going to uh, need to bring, bring someone in re- no matter what. I would bring him back. I think in Chan Gailey's spreads type of system that he will install with this Jets offense, I think Harvin could be a very productive player for them. He had a couple nice games well, with the, the Jets. Way I, there's no one out there that's a guarantee to come in. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, There's some solid wide receivers out there, but I don't see a Randall Cobb coming here. I don't see a Demarius Thomas coming here. Well, that's what I was going to say is I don't see another player coming here. Decker, I, Percy Harvin, 
Jeremy Curley, maybe you draft a receiver, you sign a low-key guy, and you have Jason Morrow at tight ends. That, that, that's a very formidable receiving it's core. It's a formidable right receiving core, yes, but it, again, do they want to save the $11.9 million on the hit and not bring back Percy Harvin and, and keep their you, draft pick? Then who are you bringing in? Well, that's, that's the thing. It's it's what you decide to do. Maybe at number six they decide to draft a receiver. You know, Maybe they don't want to go Marcus Mariota, and they feel Marcus Mariota isn't the guy at quarterback, and they want to go in a different direction. So I think there's a lot of things that remain to be seen, or maybe they, maybe they make a trade with the Eagles and draft – a receiver later in the first round. I, I think there's a lot of different options that they could but do. But at that point, they are already have to decide on Percy's future. Well, yeah, well, I'm saying. His salary is guaranteed. No, so what I'm saying is if you don't bring back Percy Harvin, you're not necessarily relying on free agency to bring in another receiver. I agree with you, but I think you have to. I don't think you could trust a rookie unless you're taking it at number six. That's a big question mark. And we don't even know who's going to be there. People know Cooper. People know Kevin White from West Virginia. A lot of question marks, though surrounding the receivers out there because I just don't think the Jets are going to be the type of team that a receiver's going to want to go to. You're going to have to overpay them to come in with a team that doesn't have a franchise quarterback in place. And I don't see Denver letting a guy like Demarius Thomas go. A guy that I could see the Jets having some interest in is a Julius Thomas. Good tight end. Denver might not be able to keep both him and Thomas. Well, that's pay, an, that's an in, imagine having a you play you have a two tight end system where you have Thomas and Jason Morrow. Yeah, tomorrow tomorrow's okay. He's not great. He's getting better, but Julius Thomas is a, a is a is a Pro Bowl tight end. No, he's a great he's a he's a great tight end. And Jason Morrow, I think, has a lot of potential. We only saw one year out of him. It's hard to judge Jason Morrow last year. I like what I saw at times, but they really didn't have anything throwing the football. No. It, it, that's why it's very hard to judge Jason Morrow. I like what I saw though. I think very promising. I think it was a good pick, but uh, it's hard to judge you know, what he's going to become just because the Jets really they just didn't have anyone throwing the football last year. And then for the Giants, the Andre Johnson perspective is listen. Question marks for Victor Cruz, whether or not he's going to be 100% at the start of the season. What type of player do you have with him a year coming off that patella tendon injury? You obviously have Odell Beckham. If Andre Johnson is willing to go to a team that he thinks could, could be a potential playoff team like the Giants, in theory, could be next year, and he's at the right price, I can see that maybe the Giants being interested in Johnson. Uh, both, but that, I doesn't, think, that doesn't seem like a giant move to me. It doesn't seem like a giant move, but I think with the way things have gone the last couple years with the Giants, that's why it wouldn't surprise me that they would bring in an Andre Johnson because – Let's be honest here. One more year without making the playoffs, a seven and nine, eight and eight year, people could be losing their jobs. So Which that's a good chance of Coughlin and Reese. Will that's so that's what I'm saying. That's why I. It, that's why just based on what has happened the last couple of years with the New York Football Giants, I think that that just makes me believe that maybe they will make a move and bring in an Andre Johnson. Now listen, Johnson's still a pretty solid player. Yeah, he's a very good receiver. Patches last year without a really good quarterback in place at all down there. Nine hundred thirty-six yards and three touchdowns. I mean, the guy, the guy can play. There's no question about no, he's, that. He's a very he, good receiver. He, he's he's older. He's going to be going into his 14th season. He's 33 years old. But the bottom line is, the guy can flat out play. And a team that gets him, I think he'd only go to a team that he thinks could win a Super Bowl, though. I think it's a big if. Well, I agree. I think, and that's why he wants out of Houston. I think because Houston is clearly and on the rebuild. And they told him he was going with a d- diminished role. A diminished role, and Houston's clearly on the rebuild. And I think he realizes maybe the last couple of years of his career, three, four years, wants to compete for a championship. Nothing wrong with that. No, and he had a, a fabulous tenure with the Texans. He he's the, the longest tenured player, and he's either For a franchise get, that has a lot of turnover. Yeah, and he's either going to get traded or he'll be cut. But the Andre Johnson era in Houston is over, and finally the Lions did not franchise Nadal and Sue. I can't even say his name. Sue, of course, the Nadamakong. Nadamakong, Donkey Kong Sue. As um, who was the player who called him Donkey Kong Sue? I don't remember. Oh, it was Cam Newton. Oh, Cam Newton, Donkey Kong. Right. They called him Donkey Kong Sue. So listen. Tremendous player, 
lot of people think that the Giants could be interested in some sources saying that they're prepared to make a run at Sue. I don't know if I see that happening, especially after He doesn't fit the Giant uh, He doesn't fit them at all. Profile. Especially when they're player. paying, you know, Jason Pierre Paul fourteen and a half million dollars next season via the franchise tag. But listen, he's a guy that will be available. A lot of teams will be interested in the Lions still may be able to bring him back. They had to not franchise him because the way his contract's structured, he would just cost too much. It's either thirty percent of the salary cap, or it is the the top five average, and he and he, he would, would be making a lot of money. Yep, <laughs> it's a big he, hit. He'd cost too much because the way his salary cap structure is next season is he's in a situation where that would just put Houston or would put Detroit in such a bad it, spot yeah, financially. Put them in a terrible financial they'd be, situation. They'd be in a horrible cap. Situation. I don't see the Giants going after uh, the Dominic suit. Just seems like Jacksonville <laughs> could spend a lot. The Raiders could spend a lot. There's a lot of teams. a lot of there were a lot of people calling the Raiders as a even the Eagles. Contender. We just said it. Fifty million dollars in cap space. That's a team that you know could be a couple players away I don't, from really being a Super Bowl team, depending on what they do at quarterback. I don't think the Giants are going to make the move only because they just franchise tag Jason Pierre-Paul, and he doesn't fit the profile of a giant of, of a giant type player. He's very you know, some people say a dirty tight, a dirty player. We've seen the things that happened with him in the Green Bay Packers over the last couple of years. What so. if he steps on someone? That's a four-game suspension. Yeah, he's a, he, and with know. the money you're going to be paying him, you don't want to take that as a hit. You don't. You, he's a, he's been a bit albatross. You really don't he know is. what you, you're stuck with him if you give him that big contract, and you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You know, he's a tremendous player, but what if he does something that could lead to a suspension? You and, and when you're paying someone that much money, you have to take that in consideration before you you make a move like that. Same reason why the Dallas Cowboys have not signed Des Bryant to a long-term deal. Some question marks about his character and whether excuse me, whether or not he could stay out of legal trouble. Well, you that still remains to be seen. We still haven't found out what this Walmart gate, this Walmart incident's going on with. So until that happens, I think uh, they maybe not won't re-sign him, but they obviously franchise tag him, so he'll be with them this upcoming season. No question about that. And finally, some quick thoughts. Jameis Winston, Dan, trademarked the name Famous Jameis. Your thoughts. Why not? I mean, I'm not really. I can't say I'm really that that surprised. I think a lot of guys are trademarking names, but that that's what he that's what he goes by. He is famous, Jameis. So why just, have someone else make money off it? I guess. Yeah, I I don't love it. I mean, it, I don't really care. It is what it is. I don't Manziel really care. did it. Anyone that trademarks these stupid sayings, it, it hasn't worked out for them. No, but it's it, it, it's just it, I think it's just the fact that it, so no one can make money off it. If they make a shirt, yeah, no, he, true. So he could, he's, Listen, he I'm never going to stop a guy from trying to make money. I just thought it was pretty fascinating. A day after he, he trademarked the name Famous Jameis, he's in Tampa meeting with the Bucks. Yeah, a couple of day visit with the Bucks. I'm sure went well. I, you know, all, all signs lead that they're very impressed, and we'll see what happens on draft night if they decide to select him. But, you know, all roads are leading to the fact where he's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in 2015. No question about that. I think unanimously – You'll see Jameis Winston be the first name called on draft night. I think so. I'd be shocked if it's. I'd be at this point. I'd be very surprised if he does not go number one. Now right, you want to talk some baseball? I, you know, it is spring training. Game started the last couple of days. It's very exciting. All right, we will talk some baseball right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Muted podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Kind of dress, everything she never had, she's showing up. And we're back here on the Asmund and Budic Show. I want to thank everyone on our crew. Do a help, great job. For helping us put the show on. Everyone except Jake Goldberg, I want to make that point. The guy has just been failing at his job today. Well, Goldberg's a little wacky. Yeah, we, you know, we've said this since he's come on the show. He's a little wacky. 
He's just a little bit of a wacky guy, and and that's the bottom line. But we, we love having him on. You know, we love having him a part of the show. He's a part of the team. Not for long, but he he, he is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. His contract would not be renewed. We, we're going to reevaluate him at the end of the year. And that means, off the record, we'll tell our viewers, he will not be back. Anyway, let's continue with a, a little baseball chatter now. Obviously, well, Al Goldberg's giving me a hug. Look at the back there. I, Dan, I don't care. He's, he's, I do not, I, he's I'm looking sick. futz. I'm tired of it. I've been dealing with this all year. He, got, he just doesn't have what, it, what we're looking for here. Garrett Weinberg, Michael Levinsky, Connor Weingarten, Chris Chris Hayes. Christopher Charles. Christopher Charles Hayes. They do a phenomenal job. No, they all, all are produced. They do, even Goldberg at times does a fantastic job. We're, they do a fantastic they job. They do, so we want to give a shout-out to our crew for the job they do. And also, we're on Vine now, so you can check us out on Vine, one of the latest additions to the show. We'll have some behind-the-scenes Vines, some editing Vines, some us actually doing the show live Vines, so you can check that out on our Twitter account, at Show. We're also on Facebook, so check that out. But let's get right to it now, Dan. Daniel Murphy made some comments about Billy Bean, who Sandy Alderson invited to speak with the Mets. Billy Bean now works for Major League Baseball, and it's not the Billy Bean that's the Oakland A's general manager. Different Billy Bean, and he is a homosexual. And Daniel Murphy said a couple things about it, and it's making some headlines in the New York area. Here, here is his quote. I disagree with his lifestyle. I do disagree with the fact that Billy is a homosexual. That doesn't mean I can't still invest in him and get to know him. I don't think the fact that someone is a homosexual should completely shut the door on investing in them in a relational aspect. Well, I think Daniel Murphy shouldn't have said what he said. I think it very surprising. Did not think he would uh, say something like that. And I don't think he, he's not saying he doesn't like. He's not saying he doesn't like gay people. He's just saying he doesn't agree with the lifestyle. Not something he should have said though publicly. Uh, Mets. Daniel takes a little hit, PR wise. Should shouldn't have said it, but. Uh, you know, I understand what he's saying. He's not saying he doesn't like gay people. He's just saying he doesn't agree with the lifestyle. Not something he should have publicly said. Listen, he's entitled to his opinion, but it's not something that you need to say. Just say the the generic statement, it was great to meet him. Move on. You don't need to say anything. And he, what's his name? Billy Bean, excuse me, responded today, and he said that he has tremendous admiration and respect for Daniel Murphy as a family man. Just last year, he made the decision to miss opening day. For the birth of his son, it was criticized by some members of the New York media for his choice. Murphy deserved to be commended for putting his family first in that decision, which led to an invitation to speak at the White House and show he's not afraid to stand up for what he believes in. When I took this job at MLB, I knew it was going to take time for many to embrace my message for inclusion. Expecting everyone to be supportive right away is simply not realistic. So Billy Bean handled it the right way. Unfortunately, the Daniel Murphy made those comments, but it is what it is. You move on, and hopefully... It's not something that we'll have to address going forward. No, I don't think we will. I just think it's something Daniel shouldn't have said. He'll probably tell you today, or he'll probably knows that right, right after he said it that he shouldn't have said it. But I, you know, it is what it is at this point. You know, you move forward, and and this, you know, hopefully this is not something that lingers on through the rest of spring training. No question about that. Now, a Rod today, Dan, one for two with a walk in his spring training debut. He looked he looked good. He looked all right. First first spring training game. Nice to see him get a hit. And listen. Nothing really changes. I don't think you could judge him until he gets, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of at bats. The guy has played 44 games in the past two years. He's going to need time to get back into the thick of things. Good start today, though. Nice to see him hit. And listen, if he has anything left, Yankee fans will, will definitely take it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Yankees fans will take it. And I don't really. I'm not really going to look at his, his spring training numbers. It is encouraging that he, ha- he got a hit today and that he gets off to a quick start. But I'm not really going to start to look at A-Rod's numbers and what he's doing until maybe midway through April, into the end of April, because I think he just sat out so long that it's going to take him a while to adjust to real major league pitching. 
You know, so I think when opening day starts, if he gets off to a slow start, Yankee fans are going to want to kill him and get rid of him and, you know, get rid of this guy. He, he's a distraction, blah, blah, blah. He get off to a slow start. That'd be the worst thing. No, it would be, but if he does, I think it's very understandable, and I, that's why I'm not going to start looking at his numbers and what he's doing until midway through April to the end of April because I think it's going to take him that long to get back into the thick of things. I agree. He, need, he needs to avoid a slow start. He doesn't well, have to be a to... of old, but if he's – if he starts the season over fifteen, it's, it's, well, well, it's going to get ugly. Well, when I say a slow start, obviously, if he starts the season off one for his first fifteen, two for his first twenty, whatever the case may be, and he's off to a very slow start, he's going to hear about it, and it's not going to be good for him. But if you know, through the first half of the season, he's hitting two hundred, or the first half of uh, April into the end of April, he's hitting two ten, two hundred. I wouldn't be that surprised because the guy sat out an entire year. He's in his upper thirties. It's very tough to sit out a whole year and come back and you know be swinging the bat well and hit. 260, 270. It's gonna, there's going to be a period where A-Rod needs to readjust to real major league pitching. Not spring training pitching, but real major league pitching. And that won't happen until the end of spring training when he really gets to see guys fit, finishing up their craft, really ready to go for opening day, major league starters, not the guys coming up from the minor leagues just to try to impress a camp. Real major league starters, it's going to take a while for him to adjust. Now let's talk about another Mets story. David Wright being a captain. Noah Syndergaard during an inter-squad game was eating his lunch in the locker room in the clubhouse. David Wright wanted none of that, Dan, and he told him, you better get your tookus back outside and watch the team play a little inter-squad scrimmage. And I thought it was a nice job by David Wright. It shows him being a leader. Noah Syndergaard hasn't done anything in the major leagues. He's only a top prospect. And you know what? David Wright, being the leader he is, did a nice job taking care of the situation. I prefer for it to not to be in front of the media, but nevertheless, I thought it was a nice job by David Wright taking a stand and telling Noah Syndergaard, listen, you're just like everybody else. Don't eat your lunch inside the clubhouse. Watch the inner squad scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, again, I don't think it's really a story. I think David Wright's the leader of the Mets, and if he sees something he doesn't like or that, you know, rubs him the wrong way, I think he'll be open about it. I think he's he's a, he's a quiet leader. I think he leads by example. But, yeah, you know, you want to see him, you know, talk, talk to the younger guys and show them uh, the positive direction, the way to do things and, and the way the Mets do things in spring training or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it happened to be in front of the media, and they happened to catch uh, its attention. You're a media member. To a certain degree. Sure. Uh, to a, to a certain degree. Yeah, but I'm not a, I'm not at Mets spring training. but uh, you know, So it's hard for me to really comment on, on what goes on there. But I guess to a certain degree I am part of the media. You are credentialed. Major League Baseball. That is true, but I'm not credentialed enough to go to Port St. Lucie and they put me up in a hotel. Listen, maybe one day. W- one day down the line, I'll be rooming with Goldberg. Here's the thing about Jake Goldberg, and now we're, we're back on the subject. I mean, the guy is just, uh, it, hold on a second. Goldberg, come in here. We want to get you on the show. Goldberg, come in. Let's hear, let's hear about this website. Now. We're now joined by our producer. What am I saying? Uh, you don't have to sit anywhere. Come over here, talk. To the mic, Goldberg, right here. Tell, uh, t- tell the audience your name, what you do for the show. Uh, get your hand up. Whoa, whoa, Goldberg, Goldberg, easy, easy. All right, well, that's it for Jake Jake, we, we give you an opportunity. He always wants to come on the show. We give him an opportunity to come on the show, and he's not, he comes in here, and he's he's all over the place. He's ridiculous. So real quick, Jake, I want you to give us the name of your website for people to get an idea of what we're dealing with uh, on YouTube. I should say your YouTube channel. Give us, give us that. We watch some videos of you, and you are one of the most ridiculous human beings I think I've ever met. Um, well, I, I just want to put that all in my past, you know. <laughs> you either give us the name of the channel, or no, we want to, we want people to get to get to know some of you, some of you guys, and you, you know, obviously, you just showed us some of your YouTube clips right before we went on air. Oh, 
And more for people that don't know, Morristown is where? In New Jersey, Morris County, zero seven nine six zero zip code. And uh, I did a whole bunch of sports packages. So if you want to know who I am, uh, look up Colonial Corner Sports. Colonial Corner Sports. That's what Jake did in high school. He's a freshman here at Ithaca College and now, Jake, part of the, the show. You were the captain of your tennis team. What was the team's record? Well, your senior year. My senior year, yes. Uh, I played second doubles. It was uh, five courts and varsity just tell, tennis. Tell us your, no one just tell us the record. Oh, it was uh, it was five and eleven. But I will say we have a very tough conference. Uh, we have we have a couple teams in the top twenty in the state. Uh, the one teams one team in our conference has won counties fifteen years in a row. Won state the least wow. times. So yeah, it's a tough conference. Joe, Jake. You're ha- you're almost halfway through your second semester here at Ithaca. Do you like it? You like you like uh, being up here on the South Hill? Oh, I love the South Hill. It's better than any other hill I did on. <laughs> and that and, and thank you, Jake Goldberg. It's great to have Jake on. Jake Goldberg, one of our producers. He does a, a very very nice job occasionally helping us out and, and doing things. Thank you, Jake. Cars more harm than good. Jake, you're done. Get away. Leave. Well, thank my, you. My pants just ripped. And his pants just ripped. <laughs> His pants just ripped. Yeah, God, this is what we for, for every, this is what we deal with with Jake on a regular basis. So we'll, we'll tweet a picture of his ripped pants out for those that get in. God help us. I mean, Goldberg, we're gonna have to get out of the studio. We gotta try to record. You know, we're, we're gonna have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to more about baseball. Back right after this. Hi, this is Jim Craig of the 1980 Olympic team. You believe in miracles? Yes! And you're listening to Asman and Pudic. All right, welcome back to the Asman and Budic show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budic. And, Dan, I know we were going to say we were going to talk some more baseball after that Goldberg segment, but listen. It is Changing fe- it up a little bit. It, it is February. Spring training baseball is still going on. Opening day is still 32 days away. Really not much going on right now. A couple baseball moves. Uh, the Red Sox dealing with some injuries with Castile in center field. He's got an oblique strain. Cobb's getting the start on opening day for the Rays. It, it really not big stuff going on. And it's NFL free agency still about another week away. So we figured why not introduce – some of the other people, the behind-the-scenes guys that make our show really happen. We're joined now with our assistant producers, Connor Weingarten, and, of course, Garrett Weinberg. And, guys, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having us. Yeah, nice to be on. We've we, been to get you guys on. You guys do such a great job with us. Obviously, we had Goldberg on the last segment. He's incompetent, but you guys, you guys do a very nice he's a, job. He brings, a little, he brings some character to the show, but obviously you guys do a tremendous job. And, you know, just tell us a little about yourself. You know, we know about you, but, but tell the audience a little about yourself. All right, I'll start. Uh, my name's Connor. I am a journalism major from Albany, New York, a upstate. Journalism, major. journalism, not TVR like all these guys. Uh, they've really taken us under their wing, and we're having a lot of fun with the show. Absolutely. I'm Garrett. I am a TVR and politics double major. Um, I'm from West Windsor, New Jersey, right outside Princeton. And yeah, it's it's been great these past semester, this past semester and a half working with you guys. Now, guys, obviously, uh, you, we all know Goldberg. We know about his, uh, his 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 ways. You could sum up Goldberg in a couple of sentences. Uh, what would it be? You know, I don't think I could do the, the Budic impression of him, but if I could do the duh, that would probably be the word to describe him. Oh, my <laughs> God. Duh. The duh. Duh. 
your thoughts on this, Garrett? Uh, that's that's very very accurate. Uh, two stories that that Dan has has told me that have really stuck with me are the is that for the homework story about I believe it was Dayquil. Dayquil. Looks, like looks like Dan. Without further ado, tell the tell tell the story of the Dayquil. All right, well, uh, this was an interesting story, you know, so uh, cu- about three and a half, four weeks ago, we're in uh, art and globalization, a gr- uh, very nice class, very nice class, very boring, but a good class, and uh, I was sick, and a girl next to me, you know, saw I was sick, and as I'm walking out of the room and the class, she goes, oh, you know, you're, you have a, you're coughing, do you need Dayquil? And I said, no, I, I have Mucidex, I'm okay, and I walk out of the room, and Goldberg goes, oh, what did she ask you? And I go, oh, she wanted to know if I needed Dayquil, and his response was, is that for the homework? <laughs> and that's Jake Goldberg for you. And your other Goldberg story that you enjoy, Gary? Was at the, I believe it was the end of the first semester this year, was uh, him asking producer on this show, assistant sports director Jake Chernock, when the pizza party was. Who is currently sleeping as we record this right <laughs> Most now. likely sleeping, yeah. But asking him when the pizza party was, a full, one full seven-day cycle after the pizza party. That was... Remarkable. It was remarkable considering there was an email sent 10 minutes before the pizza party reminding everyone about the pizza party. And who was the only one who didn't show up? Jake Goldberg. It was indeed Jake Goldberg, the international man of mystery himself, <laughs> the great Goldberg. And, guys, before we let you go, obviously you've been working with us since the beginning of um, really the school year when we started the football frenzy in the fall. And it's a great having you guys on what has been some of the – fun moments from the show, some of the things that stand out, some of the things that you think we should continue to do going forward, and just your overall you know, feel from being a part of the program. Um, I've had a lot of fun getting involved with the social media, the Twitter and Vines. Now we have Vine. That was a great addition. That's a lot of fun. We do have Vine. <laughs> you mentioned that before. Oh, we're on Vine. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, some of the good guests they've had on the show, like Buster Olney and Ian Rappaport. It's a lot of great stuff going on at the Asmund Adidas show. Absolutely. The the you two guys working with you guys has been awesome. You guys are phenomenal, uh, but but like Connor said, the the guests I I very much enjoyed the um, Jim Craig interview we had. Uh, I, I, was it as a semester? I don't even remember. But that that one was enjoyable. But uh, also just learning how to use a bunch of stuff that I didn't know how to use. It's always it's always fun learning new stuff. Well, guys, we thank you for coming on, and that's gonna do it for us here on the Asmund Beardick Show. Very light show, but. If you're listening to this point, I'm glad you got an opportunity to meet some of our producers. Light show, but at the same time, we got we were able to get everyone involved. Very nice show. Very very good show to do. And we'll be back next – well, excuse me. We actually will not be back next week. We'll be on spring break here at Ithaca College. But when we come back in two weeks, we're already at the end of March. Free agency will be well underway. So we'll come back. We'll talk about the latest moves by the Jets and Giants, all the big moves in the NFL, I'm sure. And listen, by the time we get back, baseball will be right around the corner. We'll have comprehensive coverage of the start of the 2015 – regular season we'll make our predictions our world series picks our division winners mvp and cy young predictions as well we'll get to all that when we come back in about you know two weeks so once again thank you for joining us for dan budick connor weingarten garrett weinberg and of course jake oberg i'm jake asman saying so long everybody thanks for tuning in to the asman and beauty show podcast to the Asmin and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.